This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to live their best life and become location independent. to be sharing the journey of an incredible storyteller and story finder, Margaret Gorowitz, who is the chief historian at Johnson & Johnson. She is also the curator of the exhibits in Johnson & Johnson, Our Story, The Powerhouse, the company's museum. Margaret has a unique job as a chief historian since she is responsible for bringing to life the heritage of Johnson & Johnson for their employees as well as the public. As the company historian, Margaret researches and tells stories to illustrate Johnson & Johnson's heritage of innovation and caring from the past to the present. She has also created Kilmer House Blog, which shares J&J's rich history. I first met Margaret when I visited the Johnson & Johnson Museum. Her unique way of bringing history to life stood out to me, and I'm so excited to share all the incredible stories that Margaret has unearthed during her research in the archives of Johnson & Johnson. Listen on to find out how Johnson & Johnson's values guides them from the past to the present. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this very special interview with Margaret, who is the Chief Historian at Johnson & Johnson. Hey Margaret! Hi, how are you? Good, thank you so much for joining us today and for telling us all of these incredible stories that you're about to. Can you fill in the gaps of your story and why you live an offbeat life? Okay, thanks, Debbie. And thanks, first of all, thanks for inviting me to share the stories today. Um, and, and why I live an offbeat life, I'm incredibly fortunate to have a very rare history-related career since there are very few many historians at companies. So I'm very fortunate to be able to do what I love every day as my career as uh, in being the chief historian at Johnson & Johnson. You have graduated with your degree in history and you found this job at Johnson & Johnson, it must have been like hitting the jackpot for you, right? <laughs> it was, but actually the job found me. Um, initially, I got to Johnson & Johnson um, when I was still a student um, in the summer between undergraduate and graduate school uh, with a summer job doing historical research for a biography um, about General Robert Wood Johnson, who's a member of the company's founding uh, family and one of our most impactful leaders. I was home from the for the summer, and my mother had literally just finished a conversation with me talking about, you know, you need to get a summer job somewhere, and I was telling her, yes, I know, and the phone rang, the dean of my college, and she said, somebody just called from Johnson & Johnson, he's looking for a history student to do some research, and if you're interested, I won't recommend anyone else, so I... I was interested, and I went for the interview, um, got the job, and I've been here ever since. How did you get from a researcher to now being the chief historian to Johnson & Johnson? I mean, that's such an incredible leap. Oh, absolutely. So it was a, a long journey. I got here initially in 1988, so I've been very fortunate to be at Johnson & Johnson for my entire career. Um, and I was part, I still am, I'm part of the communication organization. So although I've worked with the company's heritage since I got here when I was still a student, I did other things, just regular communication things too. And I always recognized, you know, the company's history is so amazing and it's just 
endlessly fascinating to me. So in 2006, um, Johnson & Johnson was getting involved with social media, and I started the company's history blog, which is called Kilmer House. So although Johnson & Johnson is incredibly fascinating history and has just invented so much of modern health and personal care, um, I wasn't sure how many other people would be interested in the history of, of a company, although I thought it was really fascinating. So what I tried to do on the blog was try to tell stories, company history in the context of world history, so that even if someone came to the blog who was not an employee of the company and they maybe knew nothing about the company, they would still want to read the post. Um, and slowly people started talking about Johnson & Johnson history in the hallways and stopping me in the cafeteria to talk about a new story in the blog. In 2011, the company celebrated its 125th anniversary, and by that time, it was becoming clearer and clearer how important the company's heritage was in inspiring employees, showing the longevity of the company's values um, and the longevity of what we focus on today. My job grew and grew until it became everything that I do, until it became all of my responsibilities. So Johnson & Johnson had a small, a very old museum in the building, in our powerhouse building, our, our beautiful um, 1907 powerhouse building, but it was very sort of old school, just showcases with products in them and no interactivity. Um, so recognizing the how important heritage was in 2014, um, the decision was made to restore the beautiful old building um, and update the old small company museum into a new state-of-the-art interactive museum, which is our story at the powerhouse. The project took about two and a half years to complete. I was part of a huge team from all over the company, um, people in communication, facilities and engineering, IT, design, um, and other groups. And then we worked with a, a museum design agency to create Our Story at the Powerhouse and its online companion website, which is called Our Story. Why was it so important to share the story and the heritage of Johnson & Johnson? It's so important to share the heritage of the company because, well, for employees, um, we talk about the values that have guided Johnson & Johnson since we were founded in 1886, and there's no way to show those values than to tell stories from the company's history. It's literally, you know, the proof of, of what we say, you know, so when we talk about all of the support Johnson & Johnson has had for women, when people know that we first woman scientist way back in 1908 when other companies wouldn't hire women scientists, that makes a huge impact. Or talking about how we invented commercial first aid kits or band-aid brand adhesive bandages, things that are part of people's daily life. And talking about not only the fact that they were invented at Johnson & Johnson, but why they were invented to help people and to fill these big needs that were unfilled at the time. So it's incredibly important um, in inspiring employees and also for people to get to know Johnson & Johnson and the company's values when they read about the company's heritage, not only are they learning some history, but they can see that in terms of values and, and all the things that Johnson & Johnson does, not only for patients and families, but for the community around the world. So um, it's incredibly important. You had mentioned it just now briefly about how Johnson & Johnson has really placed so much value on women and what we can all do from the beginning, from the start of the company as well. Can you expand more on that and what Johnson & Johnson has done and continues to do for the equality of women and just to promote how much amazing we all are? <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. So when Johnson & Johnson was founded in 1886, the company started with 14 employees. Eight of those employees were women, so we started with more women than men. And since then, historically, Johnson & Johnson has always had just a very large amount of women employees as part of our overall employee base. In 1908, I mentioned we hired our first woman scientist decades before other companies would take a chance on doing that. And we actually recruited her from her university, which, so not only were companies not hiring women more than a hundred years ago, they weren't going to a university and recruiting them. We also at that same time had Women department supervisors, eight out of 36 departments at the company were supervised by women, and they were all manufacturing departments. Um, and it's not all that common among companies today to have women running manufacturing. So, so Johnson & Johnson was a pioneer, um, not just in roles for women in the workplace, but in products that helped women as well. Um, we pioneered the first mass-produced women's sanitary products in about 1896-1897, um, products for women's health, a wide variety of products that help women. Um, in 1894, we made maternity kits to make childbirth safer for women and infants, which helped reduce mortality around childbirth. So, so much of what we do helps women. And also in the community, Johnson & Johnson has countless programs. Uh, to help women, um, not just health-related, but also programs to encourage young girls to pursue um, STEM education, science, technology, engineering, math education, and other educations like that. So it's almost too much to list. So, but tell stories from you know the past. People can see that it's not we're not just saying that, or it's not something we just do now. Um, it's something that we have always done because we have all of this rich history, all these stories from our history to illustrate that. That definitely stood out to me and a lot of the different women as well who were there, you know, the other influencers who were looking at the history and then learning that it just proves how much Johnson and Johnson really cares about everyone. And even at the time when women were overlooked, they were the pioneers to making sure that they were getting the best of the best. And if it was a woman, <laughs> then they were going to get that female scientist. So that was pretty incredible to learn about that as well. The more I learn about Johnson Johnson & Johnson history, and I learn new stories every week. It's just, it's the company's done some amazing things. So Margaret, looking back, what has been the most moving story that you have encountered during your research? Some of the most moving stories, one of the ones I've encountered is certainly our first woman scientist. Um, I discovered there was a little program from an employee event from 1908, and it listed, you know, sort of the company's scientific staff, and one of them was a woman. And I said, whoa, that's really unusual. Let me do some more research on her. And, you know, we didn't have a picture of her in our archives, but I wrote a blog post about her, figuring if I sort of put it out into the world, maybe hopefully one day one of her descendants would see it and get in touch. And that actually happened. <laughs> um, they got in touch, and they said, this is really fabulous. Um, and they wanted to come here for a tour. So not only did they come here for a tour, um, they donated photographs of her, but they were the ones who told me that she was recruited to Johnson & Johnson, and a lot of the subsequent generations in their family, they had daughters who were interested in science, and they did not know this about their ancestors. So learning this in their family made their daughters even more inspired to pursue science as a career when they grew up. 
That is amazing. And not even knowing that from your own family history and Johnson and Johnson was able to unearth that for them. So that must have been such a total shock and surprise and and overwhelming joy to learn that about their great great grandmother. Oh, absolutely. And I find it's interesting. There's so many people out there just waiting to sort of reconnect with Johnson & Johnson, people who've had ancestors who who worked here, um, and they have stories that they passed down in their family. And they're just, you know, they, they're very eager to share those stories with us. As a historian, I'm sure you have gone through so many different stories going through the archive of Johnson & Johnson. What is something that you have found that would surprise many people? Johnson & Johnson invented duct tape during World War II. Really? (laughs) Yeah, that would probably surprise a lot of people. So back then, because there weren't this network of sort of permanent defense contractors like there are now. During World War II, all American companies were mobilized to produce products for the war effort. So Johnson & Johnson was asked to make a number of things like gas masks and camouflage material. um, And we were asked to make a cloth-based waterproof tape to seal ammunition cases. So we kind of knew that, but the operating unit that made that was divested decades ago because it really wasn't part of our core healthcare mission. So I kind of, we, you know, we knew that, but we didn't really know any more of the story. So again, I had done a blog post about that and um, a woman through the blog and she said that she thought that her great grandmother was the person who had the idea for duct tape, but you know, nobody really believed her. So <laughs> I asked her if she had proof and she did. She sent me copies of the proof and her great grandmother during World War II, she had two sons that served in the Navy and like many Americans to do her part, she got a job in a munitions plant in Illinois um, and they made ammunition and they, they sealed it. They put it in cardboard boxes. They sealed the top with paper tape and left a tab and then they dipped the entire box in wax to make it waterproof. So theoretically, you were just supposed to pull the tab to open the box, but the paper tape was too thin and the tab tore without opening the box, leaving soldiers frantically clawing at these boxes to try to open them under fire. And she felt that this current system was costing lives. And so she packed the boxes, but part of her job was also quality inspector. So she came up with a better idea, which was instead of the thin paper tape, to use a thicker, heavier, cloth-based waterproof tape so they could just open the box with one pull. Um, She brought that idea up to her supervisor and then her management, and they all basically kind of told her, yeah, thanks for sharing, get back to work, just we don't need you to do that. Um, And she wouldn't give up, so she ended up writing a letter to the President of the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Could you imagine doing that with an idea? (laughs) Um, So she wrote to him, and she, she started the letter, Mr. President, dear friend, which what a great way to start a letter to the president, right? (laughs) So she wrote this letter. She said, you know, I have two sons in the Navy. You have sons in the Army. I think the current system is costing lives, and I have an idea that I think will save lives. And she she laid out exactly what her idea was. And President Roosevelt made that happen. And he had people get back to her and say, we're going to make your idea happen. And then they they came to Johnson and Johnson and said, can you make this tape for us? And that was duct tape. So that's probably a very surprising story in Johnson and Johnson history that people know. You know, what is really amazing to me, Margaret, is that these things are not just objects. Obviously, they play a huge role in our history and in a lot of people's lives because they have been life-changing and they've saved lives. A lot of the things that Johnson & Johnson has created and its employees have created. 
But the thing that really stands out the most is also how it became. So it's not just about the product itself, but the history and the stories behind it and the many people that really affects Johnson & Johnson. And it helped create and build this incredible company that still continues to change so many of our lives till today, which is so exciting. I'm sure you're always excited <laughs> to unearth all of these different stories behind all of these products. Oh, absolutely. I am. And like I said, I learn new stories every week. In fact, uh, somebody is coming uh, to visit um, in a few weeks. She didn't work for Johnson & Johnson, but her father did starting in 1933. And she has a whole bunch of stories. So I'm really excited to learn what those are going to be. Margaret, what has been the proudest moment during this whole project for you so far? My proudest moment was when our story at the Powerhouse, our revitalized museum, reopened in the spring of 2016, something that had been at first a dream and then in the planning and construction stages for so long with this huge team of people from all over Johnson & Johnson was finally a reality. So it was amazing to actually stand inside the space inside this new museum in this beautifully restored building, something that we had been looking at just in drawings and design documents for so long. It was amazing to just finally stand inside it. It's such a beautiful building too. And again, it has its own history to it. Having met so many people at J&J, one of the things that was really impressive to me is all of the employees, the dedication that they had and the love that they have for Johnson & Johnson. What makes J&J such a special company to work for, Margaret? I think the thing that makes Johnson & Johnson such a special company to work for is the company's values. Putting responsibility to others, responsibility to ourselves is really the essence of, of the values that have guided Johnson & Johnson since our founding. And I think it really plays out every day and people can see that. And also the fact that so much of modern life, you know, sterile surgery, commercial first aid kits, mass-produced dental floss, uh, mass-produced dental floss, disposable contact lenses, all kinds of pharmaceutical medicines, things like that. So, so many pieces of modern life that, you know, we sort of take for granted as a part of modern life were created at Johnson & Johnson. So it's this incredible legacy. So I think that people feel very special about the company. And really, I think it also attracts a certain type of person. People really want to come here because of the longevity of the values of Johnson & Johnson and all that it, the company has done over its history. And it definitely shows everyone that we met there was just so dedicated and they just love what they're doing and they're so passionate about everything that they're doing. So that really stood out to all of us, which was really incredible in today's time, you know, <laughs> when people just leave a job here and there and Johnson & Johnson, people stay. Once they're there, they stay forever. <laughs> they just love it so much. This is really exciting to see. You really feel as part of Johnson & Johnson that you're helping change the world for the better. Is there any question that you wish people asked you more of? Besides specific questions about Johnson & Johnson history, I wish people would ask why the study of history is so important and so relevant today. I mean, for organizations, you know, like Johnson & Johnson, but other organizations too, their heritage sort of reflects the values that continue to guide them from the past to the present. For individuals, studying history can shine a light on the way the world works today, and it makes you much more informed as a person. So there's a saying that if you don't know where you've been, you can't know where you're going, and I think that's true. So the study of history is really studying where you've been, whether you like just general history or you're studying the history of 
an organization. And I think recognize that more and more now. Um, and it's maybe one of the reasons that tracing family history is so popular now. Yeah, absolutely. And also as a consumer of a product, I'm able to relate to it more and also be able to love that product more when I know the history and the stories behind it. So you feel like it's more relatable and you get to be behind that product so much more because of what you learn and how it was created. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What are you working on currently that is really exciting to you? One of the things I'm working on currently that is really exciting to me are oral histories. We have a project to capture oral histories um, and not only current or recent stories, but also stories that have been passed down in families for generations about Johnson & Johnson. So we're capturing oral histories from current employees about big things, big projects that they're working on, oral histories from retirees who were pioneers in some way. I did an oral history with a woman who was the first uh, African-American woman to be vice president at Johnson & Johnson, and also stories from people whose parents or grandparents or great-grandparents worked here. So that's something really exciting. That is really exciting. I would love for you to tell us more about that later on once it's up and out. So that's going to be amazing to, to listen to. If our listeners want to know more about Johnson & Johnson's history, where can they find more information? Oh, absolutely. So if listeners want to know more about Johnson & Johnson history, um, they can go to ourstory.jnj.com, which is our our online museum website, or the Kilmer House blog. It's just K-I-L-M-E-R house, one word, dot com. Um, And if folks are on Twitter, they can follow at J&J History. Perfect. Thank you so much, Margaret, for letting us know all of these incredible stories and information about Johnson & Johnson that I didn't know about, which is so amazing, all of this history and how it affects us today. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Debbie. Again, thanks for having me on to talk about that. I hope you enjoyed this special episode with Margaret Gorowitz. If you want to learn more about Johnson and Johnson's story, make sure to visit ourstory.jnj.com.